I, I think it's like I'll be doing stuff like that, like taking the police report or something like that. Okay. I don't. I don't know. They explained some of it to me, so it was random. They randomly like called me yesterday. I literally interviewed for this thing back in like August. Oh. And like never heard anything after they were like, "All right, well, thank you. You know, we uh, we appreciate your time, and you know, uh, we'll be in touch." And I'm like, "Okay." It was like August the fifteenth, I think. Huh. I hadn't heard anything, so you know, I just marked it off, kept going, you know, living my life, and then, like, literally, like three o'clock yesterday, a girl calls me, "Hi, this city rocking out, da da da. We'd like to offer you the position for blah blah blah." I was like. Okay. Um, okay. I was like, well, tell you what, why don't you give me a little time with me to talk to my wife about it and I will get back to you. I was like, what the hell? Huh. So, yeah, kind of out of left field, but uh, like basically the biggest perk of it is I only had to work like three days a week. That, oh, that's good. Yeah. Like one week is like um one week is like Monday. It's so and, and it's like we don't have to work on Sundays. It's it's like Saturday, Thursday, Friday. And so then I guess the next week is like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. So it's like you work those three and then the other week is like a Saturday and then a Thursday, Friday. I don't know how they came up with the schedule. <laughs> But whatever. I think I'll either go in at like 6 a.m. or 9 a.m. Okay. So, whatever. It's still a hell of a lot later than I normally go to work now. So. True. Woo! Is it like, is it down, is it like downtown Rocky Mountain where the. Where yeah, the it's just down. Is? Yeah, like City Hall. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. that, that. That cuts a good like forty minutes of driving off of my daily commute. So. Let's go. Yeah. So um, I don't know. At first, yesterday, like I, I was on the phone with her for a second. I was almost like, "Nah, I'm good. Don't worry about it." But then I was like, "Well, I'll at least talk about it." So. <laughs> and then, like as it's gone on, it's kind of like, "Nah, this makes sense. This makes sense. It's making a lot more sense actually as I go." So. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So, yay. Yay. Back into get back into where I belong, Ed. Local government. Yes, I can burn it down from the inside and restart my dream of uh being the the real Ron Swanson. Oh my gosh, amazing! It'll be magnificent. It'll be magnificent. Oh, amazing! Well, that is awesome. That is an awesome <laughs> way to start episode four hundred and eighty-one of the Afford Affair podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCollin Crime, Wes Bradshaw, and we have a dynamite episode for you all today. We are going to talk Premier League. We are going to talk Champions League. We are going to do news and notes. We are going to pimp the athletic. We are going to hit the watch for it, by God. Um, and we're going we're gonna to do it all over the next little bit for you guys. Uh, so this is going to be a fun one, I'm sure. And uh, what better way to get started than with the week that was in the Premier League? Maybe... Dare I say the craziest week we've had so far overall for the Premier League? I know, I know there was the Tottenham Liverpool match, was which is probably the craziest match we've had this year. Um, I I think this was the craziest weekend overall. Um, 
let's get into it quickly. Let's get the run through. Uh, United needed a Bruno Fernandez uh, goal in the 91st minute. I almost said penalty. That's 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 what Bruno Fernandez does. Uh, but it wasn't actually a penalty this time. Uh, it was it was a normal goal in the run of play uh, for Manchester United to get past Fulham one nil. Uh, don't worry, it would get worse from United for here. Um, Brentford. Just, just staving off that, just staving off that executioner for another week. Uh, we're coming. We're, we're, we'll be there for you. Don't worry, United fans. We'll be there for you. We're midweek. We'll see. Um, Brentford three, West Ham two. Collins' nice goal in the 69th minute meant Brentford went home with all three points against West Ham. West Ham. Uh, was at one point almost kind of in that Champions League discussion, even though it was early on, uh, but has since been in a little bit of free fall. And Brentford just keep on keeping on. Uh, just I, I, I say this every week. I don't know that they're ever going to be a, an amazing Premier League team, but by God, they look like they're making a solid, solid thing over there, Brentford. And that is good to see. Uh, Palace beats Burnley 2-0. Palace picks up an important three points. Uh, against semi-struggling Burnley as they're able to keep up in towards the mid-table there with a two-goal victory there. I don't know why I'm not closing these tabs. Uh, Everton and Brighton split the points at Goodison. 1-1. Young's goal in the 84th minute, unfortunately, means he gave up uh, a full three points for Everton after Michaelenko's early goal in the seventh minute for Everton. Uh, So Brighton is able to get back uh, a point out of this, but really feel probably like they should have been able to get all three against Everton. But for Everton, it's another point that they're just trying to hoard like a squirrel going into winter in, ca- in case in case the hammer does come down on them. Um, Man City. OK, so I, I said this was a weird week. Nothing weird here. Man City 6-1 winners over Bournemouth. Uh, and it wasn't even really that close. Luis is set there as goal in the 74th minute, notwithstanding. Uh, City pretty much got to do whatever they wanted to on the day. Uh, Doku, who's just become one of the absolute best players in the Premier League already. 30th minute goal. He got the scoring started for City. Uh, Silva added one just three minutes later and City was off to the races, winning 6-1. Uh, it's like Bournemouth can at least hold on to the fact that they didn't let Alan score. So there, there is that for Bournemouth, but they still they still give up six. Uh, Sheffield United beats Wolves 2-1 on a late, late penalty. Norwood's penalty strike in the 90th plus 10 minute gave Sheffield United all three points after Bellegarde thought he had secured at least a point for Wolves in the 89th minute. Big win for Sheffield United as they uh, they were previously at just one point, and now they can start to dream of maybe getting out of the relegation zone. Uh, Newcastle, their biggest win of the year so far, 1-0 over Arsenal. Uh, Obviously, a lot of controversy in this one. Gordon's goal had three different VAR checks on it uh, for three different things. Excuse me. Um, You know, Gimaraes probably should have been sent off. Uh, There was an Arsenal player who I'm forgetting at the moment, but they also, I think it was Havertz, Probably also should have been sent off. Um, just a very weird day uh, in a in a uh, for VAR checking. Uh, it would only get weirder as the week went on. Don't worry. Um, but hey, we got another Arteta rant, so that was that was always worth it. Um, but as for the the match itself, a big three points for Newcastle, uh, who who 
finally, for the, I believe the first time this Premier League season, find a signature win in the league uh, to try and reestablish themselves as a top four threat. Um, rounding out the week, Forrest beats Villa 2-0. That was a little bit of a shocker. Um, Villa had been having a very good season, but Forrest gets them with the 2-0 victory. I and I and Mangala each with goals at about the start of the respective halftimes to get Forrest the win there. Um, Lutton almost, almost got three points against Liverpool, but cometh the man, cometh the hour. It was Luis Diaz's time to shine in one of the biggest moments of this young man's career, uh, getting the goal in the 95th minute with all the other things swirling around him in his personal life. A big moment for the young man as he was able to uh, equalize for Liverpool in the dying moments as Liverpool were able to get out of Kenilworth Road with a point. And then finally, in the match of the week, sort of, kind of, the return of Maurizio Pochettino to what I am now calling Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at White Hart Lane, so I can just call it White Hart Lane whenever I want until actually there's advertising. Uh, Tottenham riding the high of the beginning of their season. Unfortunately, uh, Cutie Romero did what Cutie Romero sometimes does, uh, and he got a red card about half an hour in uh, when it was 1-1. And then Udogi also picked up his a second yellow-red <laughs> Uh, in the start of the second half, and you thought, well, that's it, I guess. It's it's 1-1, and and then uh, Chelsea made it finally 2 in the 75th minute, and they're like, well, that's probably it. Oh, God, why, why are all eight men for Tottenham still standing in midfield? Oh, God, what's going on? And by God, they had multiple chances to tie this game. Um, multiple VAR checks in this one, including on uh, a potential Eric Dyer. Yeah, that's a name. Uh, equalizer in the dying moments. Uh, Youngman's son had a chance um, in the dying moments. Uh, but Chelsea would add a few more through Jackson as he would get uh, what I've seen described as the least inspired hat trick of all time. Um, Chelsea doing 4 1. Um, but Wes, it is crazy as, as we get your thoughts on the week. Uh, it is crazy how much of the talk was about Tottenham. And in a 4-1 loss at home to a rival who had not looked good this year, the fact that most of it was at at worst confusion and at times very positive was maybe a a sign of where this Tottenham project is going. Um, I think the the thing that had everybody kind of going, oh my God, what's going on here was that moment you just talked about down to nine men and my God, Ange is going to live with the high line and Ange is going to live with the, is going to die with the high line. <laughs> I don't, I, uh, I think somebody was saying, I think it's from 300, but it might not be. Uh, th- there's like the line, you, you come back with your shield or you come back <laughs> on your shield. <laughs> that, that is exactly it. You, you come back with your Spartan, come back with your shield or come back on it. And there's no one who's more of a Spartan right now, I think, than Ange Pasakagi. Um, I mean, so honestly, honestly, let's take a look around. Um, Spurs know how hard it is to hold off with nine men. Uh, they've seen it from the other side this season. They're like, oh, shit, this is brutal. Um, so I guess at that point, Andrews is like, well, <clears throat> big or go home. We're kind of playing with a little house money at the moment anyway. So Spurs decided to go big. And yeah, honestly, they held on for a little while. But then, as you said, maybe the least impressively inspired hat trick of all time. Um, and, and and Chelsea, yeah, it's a good victory for Chelsea, which 
right now any victory is a good victory mm. for Chelsea. So, uh, and, you know, Chelsea have climbed themselves. I think they're in 10th right now. I know you'll hit the, mm -hmm. um, you'll hit a little later. But, you know, so slowly, slowly Chelsea starting to get their way moving upwards. Uh, but, I mean, for Spurs, whew, this could be a costly, costly loss at the end of the day. Not so much just for the three points on the field. Mm -hmm. But you're looking at the suspension for the two players. And also, uh, Van de Veen, did I say it right? Yeah. Van um, de, Veen, Van de Veen leaving injured. So I will Ooh, say, quick update yeah. on Van de Veen. Uh, Go ahead, Van de Veen. Which might turn into like the news of Pruder tape. Uh, Tottenham uh, social media put out a picture today of him standing upright with no crutches, no wrappings, no nothing, and high-fiving Sun. And everybody's like, you know, with the injury, uh, people were like, no, uh -huh. at, at least he should be wrapped up there. Something's weird here. Um, and people confirm like the pictures from today. So maybe maybe there's right. hope that that injury isn't quite as bad as it was, because it looked like we were hearing like <laughs> two to three months, maybe. Hopefully, yeah. knock on wood, maybe it won't be that bad. Sorry. Go ahead. And Vandeven and... Um... Oh Lord, who, who's your your Argentinian center back? Romero, yeah, Romero. Uh, Romero, of course, pulling his uh, Argentinian yes. dirty tricks. Um, you know that that could, you know, for a Tottenham team who is, let's be a little honest, probably swinging a little above their weight, where at least where everybody thought they would be this season. Um, those two have been so important to what Tottenham have been able to achieve, that a, a long-term injury is going to hurt, and even Romero missing possibly three matches is, is going to be tough. So hopefully, fingers crossed for Tottenham, it is just a, uh, it is a minor Van Deven injury, and Romero can get himself back quickly. Uh, I, I didn't really understand the outrage from some Spurs fans about, oh, it's, it wasn't that bad of a tackle. No, it was it was pretty. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think I think most Spurs yeah. fans I saw were were very like, yeah, no, that's a red, that's a red. Man. Yeah. So um, I I know there was a subset of Liverpool fans who were getting their giggles out of the whole thing, but I mean, you know, whatever. I, I don't I don't hold Spurs anywhere near in the same contempt that I would hold others. So. <laughs> uh, you know, you don't get that from me, but um, you know, for Spurs, it's a setback. But Spurs, Spurs goals have got to be find that way to get to just finish top four. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're. I don't think this this loss doesn't really kill them in that respect. Um, it's just it'll just remain to be seen whatever the long term ramifications from this loss are. Mm -hmm. But I mean, dropping three, it, it happens, man. It, it happens, to everyone. I believe Spurs were the last unbeaten team in the league. Yes. So I mean, you know, it's obviously know it's going to happen sooner than later. Um. So that happens, and eh, I mean, end of the day, it it sucked. It was a it was a weird game. It just there was a weird vibe around that game. It was just it was a weird day at the end of the day. Um, but 
I mean, I'll I'll give it up to Chelsea. You know, they uh, you know, they did what they were supposed to do against nine men, and they got the job done. That Jackson acquisition looking uh, better and better every day. I guess. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. Um, who do I want to hit next? Um, Newcastle over Arsenal. Boy, you know the uh, <laughs> just so we can we'll we'll connect this in with the uh, Spurs Liverpool match earlier <laughs> this year because that's been brought up. You know that after the Spurs Liverpool match, you know, take out everything. I think we can all agree at this point that a uh, a, a perfectly legitimate Luis Diaz goal was denied that day mm-hmm. because of the um, whatever we'll call it the miscommunication with the bar yeah. officials. That sound good. Yeah, sounds fine. We'll go with it. Well, that day, Ed, you know, um, a lot of managers around the league had their say, had their say, because you got to get their say. And uh, Mikel Arteta said, well, you know, sometimes things happen and we just have to deal with it. And, you know, basically had this little smirk like, ha, 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 Liverpool, ha, ha, ha. Well, now that it's happened to Mikel Arteta. Oh. And by the way, I can't even be fully sure that he's even in the right here. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I can't, come, I can't come to a final opinion on this. That thing is just too damn close for me. Um, I mean, the Liverpool one was far and away just the most blatant one I think we've ever seen. This one, it wasn't like – I mean, it was super close. Mm-hmm. And I really think depending on if you're wearing black and white or if you're wearing red, that's kind of where your loyalty falls. Mikel Arteta comes out loses his ever-loving shit about VAR. Mm-hmm. Talks about just how horribly unacceptable. All that hand wringing and the 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 threats and whatever. The killer just a fuck up, you little bitch. There you go. That's all this. Stop being a little bitch. You know, something didn't go your way. And just deal with it. Hey, it happens, Mikel. This is what happens sometimes. Just deal with it. So I, I know a lot of people took immense joy in that because Mikel Arteta is such a whiny sniveling little bitch. You can definitely tell that he was uh, he learned at the feet of Pep Guardiola. Uh, he learned at the feet of Pep without quite really being the manager that Pep is. But, um, yeah. So just for that and also for the, uh, for the race itself, <laughs> go, go Toon Army. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Newcastle. Um, Manchester United. Oh, boy. Getting them on. Get a big win, Ed. That's a big win for United. That's that's what they needed. It's going to get mm-hmm. them back. Get them back to play in the way they're supposed to play. The way that they're destined to play. <laughs> they're Manchester United. By God, they're Man United, and, and it's their birthright. I guess we'll talk Champions League later. So we'll 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 wait and see what United did in the Champions League. I'm sure they carried on that playing playing United way. Uh-huh. Um, and then finally, I'll touch on uh, Liverpool and Luton Town. Um, uh, one one thing to start. It's it's come out and um, Luton has issued an apology. Uh. <laughs> Apparently, the Luton Town fans are starting with the uh, the 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 anti Liverpool chants, 
And it's not an anti-football chant by any means. Those are fully expected. The uh, When they bring up the Hillsborough victim stuff, mm-hmm. there's a line, people. It's called decency. Just, just try to have a little bit of it. Try to have a little bit of it. You know, I mean, uh, 98 people dying at a football match is... I just don't find it very humorous yeah. or anything to giggle about. But anyway, um, and, and then kind of the, uh, the 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 one that makes you kind of grin and slap your head if you if you know your England um, demographic dynamics. Uh, there, there's been this long thing going. Uh, Liverpool in the '80s was a pretty bleak place to be. Uh, outside of outside of Anfield and uh, and Goodison, actually, it was a pretty damn bleak place to be. Uh, a lot of people out of work, a lot of people having to rely on the food bag to eat. So they, they run this whole, there's this whole uh, thread about the starving Scousers. Mm. Um, and, and of course that one got brought up. And this is just, it's, it's fan shit banter because I mean, sometimes fans, um, sometimes fans just aren't, you know, they're not yeah. bright and unique, you know, come up with something cool, man. Make fun of them in a way. But uh, I think it was pointed back. It was like, um, you guys live in Luton. Maybe y'all should take a look around before you start talking about us being poor. <laughs> We're not exactly talking like North London here. So. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, that to the side. Uh, Luton. Man, Luton played an extremely inspired match. Um. They were fantastic. They were they they worked their ever loving asses off. You know, of all people, Ed, uh, I, I found the corpse of Ross Barkley. Yeah, and, and but I'm gonna tell you that that was a throwback Ross Barkley performance. So I um, want to say somebody yeah. said it was like the the goal for Lut- Lutton was like it was scored by an ex United prospect assisted yep. by an ex Everton player. And then I yep. think the, the second assist was by uh like an ex city player too. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Barkley made a fantastic pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm saying this kid's name, right? I think it's half hit. You want to say Tanith, but I think it's just T A H I T H. I think so. I have Chong. Um, which I don't know where I came up with that name, but whatever. Um, Chong, the former United player, and you would know him if you saw him, has the real big hair and mm-hmm. yeah, not not, not Fellaini esque, but um, <laughs> definitely has the the big the big puffy flowing hair. Uh, goes down, scores a fantastic goal, kind of catches Allison in no man's land, and and beats the Brazilian, who basically at that point. Luton only had maybe about 25% possession, mm-hmm. um, but they had put some good shots on goal on target and Allison Becker just doing what Allison Becker does, which is stand on his head every week at this point. Um, had kept Liverpool in it, had kept the score, had kept the clean sheet. Uh, Chong comes down, scores the goal. That's a great pass by Ross Barkley. Um, just a great, uh, great uh, a passage of play by Luton that actually came off a Liverpool corner. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a damn minute. This is supposed to be, this is our game. You know, that's what we're supposed to do score off other people's corners. Um, but a great counterattack. 
And then just when it looked like Liverpool weren't going to get anything done, uh, Harvey Elliott dropping in a, a really nice ball over to, I believe that, I believe the assist came off from Trent. Mm-hmm. Um, putting it right on the head of Lucho Luis Diaz, who had, had been on for about 15 minutes at that point. I just wasn't really expected to play, but with everything going on family wise, they just figured, Hey, you know, let's put them on the bench. It'll, you know, it'll give them something else to think about for a couple of hours. And instead it's only Liverpool. Like, uh, Hey Lucho, you think you got a few minutes? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, Hey man, want to come on and play? Uh, he comes on and plays, scores a fantastic header. Um, and then, uh, pulls up his Jersey to reveal and, uh, a message in Spanish which I translated roughly to freedom for Papa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ed, let me give a slow clap to the Premier League and to the, to the FA yeah. Yeah. for actually thinking, using their brains for once, and not finding Luis Diaz for doing that. Crazy. Because as soon as he pulled it up, I was like, man, that's awesome. Boy, it's going to be ruined when he catches a fine for this tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow, this is such a touching moment, and and he's going to get fined. Uh, So when they came out and said, I'm going to find him, it's like, well, congratulations, guys. Once in a while, you do have a little bit of common sense. We did it. Yeah, we did it. We didn't ruin like the most heartwarming moment of the weekend. We didn't ruin it by being ourselves. So um, I do give them credit for that. Uh, but for Liverpool, it was it was just oh man, it was one of those days. And honestly, unfortunately for Liverpool, I think those are the kind of days that are going to keep Liverpool from from winning the title this year. Um, uh, Liverpool, I mean, they're a very good team. They're better even than I thought they would be this year. That midfield has come together. Um, if they can miss the injuries or at least spread them out, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, there just seems to be this little thing where when they go on the road and it's not a big match, they are not quite the same team on the road that they are at Anfield, or if they're going, say, I mean, if they're going to, um, you know, the Etihad or, or mm-hmm. Trafford or yeah, uh, white hard, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're locked in, but I think Liverpool have just a few too many lapses mm-hmm. in these kinds of matches. I think it, I, I personally think at the end of the year that's going to be what gets them. But um, that said, man, um, they rescue a point. That's a big point to rescue at that at that time and juncture. Um, I do think Liverpool's goal is definitely a top four finish. And I think, I mean, honestly, if they keep playing the kind of football they've been playing, they're going to finish top four. Mm-hmm. They're definitely good enough to do it. Uh, they just have to hold their nerve and, and hope you know, they don't get some key injuries, really. Uh, we're waiting to hear back about uh, Graven Burke, who came off uh, limping the other day. Uh, it might have been up to Lucho putting that header in. may have been our man of the match was Ryan Graven Burke. Um, so just, just wanted to keep an eye on going forward for him. Um, but yeah, it's one of those going into the day. I would have been like, Oh God, a point. Are you freaking kidding me? This is Luton. Uh, by the end of the day, it's like, 
<laughs> okay, fine. We'll take the point. <laughs> it's like, uh, at the end of this day, I'm, I'm not going to cry about that point. So, um, yeah. Uh, decent, decent point at the end of the day for Liverpool, but still not, not, not quite good enough going forward what they're going to need to do. Yeah, I, I think that's that's one of those things when you just when you think about how many times people Liverpool obviously most of all have tried to chase down mm-hmm. City and it's it's matches like this where you're just like shit, yeah. shit we'd just gotten all three there maybe maybe things yep. would be a little different. Yeah, it, um, it's you're right. It's 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 these kind of matches that at the end of the year you're like, "Oh my god, we we lost the league by two points." Oh, if only we'd beaten City. It's like, no, nah, it was a draw at Luton. It was a draw yeah. against Everton. It was, yeah. it was like, no, that that's why you end up yeah. not winning something. So, tis 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 a thin line. Tis a very thin line. Um, where I'm gonna get to the table and the uh, the matches to come this coming weekend in just a second here. I did want to mention something uh, that I hadn't and I wanted to. I was thinking about it earlier today. Um, about the Spurs Chelsea match that I really quickly wanted to throw mm-hmm. in here. Um I so I've talked a little bit about in the past how nervous I was uh with Postacoglu and and what would happen like if if the results weren't as good and like would the fans give him time and all this stuff. Um the fact that there was a standing ovation for the team at the end of that match in which you lost to a hated rival 4-1 at home. The, that left me feeling good. So I, I think I think people, Spurs fans in general right now, have fully bought into Postacoglu. I, I don't know if if he loses six matches in a row, that that will probably go away, obviously. But I think as of right now, he has brought up a lot of goodwill and a lot of good feelings. And it was good to see the fans react and and give the team who did those nine guys on who ended up on the pitch at the end they ran their hearts out and to for the fans by and large to give them the stand you know at the end even after a loss that's great i i, I love to see that so hopefully this is a sign for tottenham who have been mired with some very bad managers and some very bad football the past couple of years sign of good things to come anyway let's move on um to the Moving table uh, which now does see Manchester City back on top by one point as they are in first place with 27. Tottenham right there at 26, and then Liverpool and Arsenal close behind each with 24. Villa at 22, just outside of Champions League spot, and Newcastle coming up on sixth place with 20 points. Excuse me. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Luton with the draw, have found their way out for the moment, thanks to goal differential. They're at six points, as are Bournemouth, who are also at six. Uh, Burnley find themselves at four points, along with Sheffield United. Again, that was a very big win for Sheffield United on the weekend to try and stay up. Um, and really, like, these are the four teams right now, it, unless Everton gets their point deduction, these are the four teams right now that are very much in the relegation zone, with uh, Everton and Fulham kind of... Uh, separating themselves from the pack a little bit so early days still yet as we hit about the one-third mark um but we'll see we'll see how that goes uh as we hit the the schedule for this weekend and i believe yes we are coming up on to another international break after this weekend um so not this weekend but next um uh tottenham back out onto the pitch they'll be heading to wolves 
7.30 a.m. this Saturday. At 10 a.m., you get your choice of Arsenal, Burnley, Palace, Everton, and United London. Uh, at 12.30, it's Bournemouth hosting Newcastle. Uh, on Sunday at 9 a.m., four matches will be going on. Aston Villa versus Fulham, Brighton versus Sheffield, Liverpool versus Brentford, and West Ham versus Forest. At 11.30, Chelsea looks to see if they can keep the, uh, their win streak going as Manchester City comes to town at 11.30. So big match, big match for there for Chelsea and City um, as we uh, we hit about the one-third mark of the season. Um, mm-hmm. Let's head to the Champions League now. Um, where oh, we do have, <laughs> we do have two <laughs> groups that are not not done done, but we know who's moving on from those two groups um, into the Champions League knockout stage. But let's start at Group A, the most interesting one, and then we'll and then I'm sure we'll circle back to it at the end. Uh, Bayern Munich did what they did; uh, they beat Galatasaray two one. Galatasaray's goal came super late; it didn't really matter. Uh, but Bayern picked up their two goals in the final 10 minutes through Harry Kane as they were able to win 2-1 and they have qualified for the knockout stage. I believe they have actually guaranteed first place as well because the rest of this group is insane thanks to Copenhagen. Thank you. Thank you, Copenhagen. Uh, four three winners over United, uh, Lerger and Bargigi with goals in the final <laughs> 10 minutes to steal Three points from United. Uh, Mark Strashford did pick up a red match, just a uh, red card in the match just before halftime. Uh, so United was able to get up 3-2 when they were down 10 men, but Copenhagen held strong and rescued three points from the situation. Uh, this is, so this is Group A. We'll go quickly through other groups, but Group A right now, Bayern Munich, they're on 12 points. They can't be passed. Copenhagen and Galatasaray are at four. United are at three. And as we look to United's remaining schedule, their match at Galatasaray next match week is almost mm-hmm. must win because if they don't, then Bayern, they have to play Bayern Munich in, uh, or sorry, they actually get them at home the final match week. Copenhagen and Galatasaray will be playing each other. They're guaranteed to at least get points. They have to. That's how soccer works. Um, so if United doesn't get points against Galatasaray, they might be out. They, they might be out of the competition unless they can pull off a famous victory against Bayern Munich. So we'll see. We'll get, we'll talk a little about more later. We'll get through the other groups. Now, uh, Arsenal big two nil win over Sevilla that, uh, guarantees them at least top three, uh, Eindhoven beats lens one nil. Uh, goal from Luke de Jong in the 12th minute uh, gets Eindhoven what they need. So Arsenal currently in first. Eindhoven and Linz both on five points. Sevilla just at two. They need the points if they want to get to that European uh, Europa League spot. Uh, Group C, uh, Real Madrid took care of Braga 3-0. And Napoli drew with Union Berlin 1-1. So Madrid have qualified with 12 points. Napoli on seven, Braga three, and Berlin gets their first point of the Champions League stage. So Napoli's still in a good position. Uh, just another point. We'll see them through uh, into the knockout stage. Uh, Group D is pretty much done. We're just working on who's finishing 1-2 and who's finishing 3-4. Uh, Real Sociedad, one of the one of the surprise hits coming through the, the, the Champions League this year. They had a big 3-1 win over Benfica. Also had a goal ruled out via VAR. Also missed a penalty. So this was a route from the start for Sociedad. 
Big win for them. Uh, and Inter Milan uh, got a penalty against Salzburg to win 1-0 late on. Uh, so Sociedad and Milan are both at 10 points. Salzburg at 3, Benfica at 0. Sociedad and uh, Inter Milan will be fighting to see who wins the group. Group E. Atletico Madrid left nothing a chance against Celtic this time. They had a big 6-0 win. Griezmann and Morata both with braces in this one. Uh, sees them up at the top of the group with 8 points. And Lazio with a 1-0 victory over Feyenoord through Ciro Immobile's uh, stoppage time goal in the first half. Gets Lazio up into second place one point ahead of Feyenoord. Uh, group F, uh, the group of death. Uh, and death might be coming for Newcastle all of a sudden. Dortmund, big 2-0 yeah. winners against them. Uh, Julian Brandt closed it out in the 79th minute there. Uh, and then the thing that's keeping Newcastle alive, AC Milan beats PSG 2-1. After Skirner's early goal in the ninth minute, uh, Lau and uh, the ghost of Olivier Giroud combined to give AC Milan a big win over oh. PSG. What a beautiful um, ghost it is, too. Oh, it is very beautiful hair. So, so handsome. Uh, so here's how Group uh, F currently sits. Dortmund at 7, PSG at 6, AC Milan at 5, Newcastle at 4, all to play for with two matches left. That's a fun group. Not so much of a fun group, Group G. Uh, City keeps on keeping on against the young boys. 3-0 winners there. And uh, Leipzig beats Red Star Belgrade 2-1, which means City and Leipzig have both qualified through, and City is just a few points away from winning the group. Red Star and the Young Boys fighting for the Europa spot. And finally, in Group H, uh, Shakhtar beats Barcelona 1-0. Danielo Sikhan with the goal in the 40th minute for the Ukrainian side uh, beats Barcelona. And then Porto beats Antwerp 2-0. So Shakhtar, that was a big three points. That keeps them alive to try and get into the knockout stage. But they're in a very good spot to at least go through to Europa. Uh, and Barcelona and Porto right now level on points. So we'll see who ends up coming out of this group on top. Um, so Wes, a very interesting match week here as we're two-thirds of the way through the group stage in the Champions League. Um, what what caught your eye besides that United match that I'm sure you're gonna talk about? <laughs> oh well, let's just let's just give them a little room to breathe for just a second here. Um I guess really, you know, the the shocker of the week was uh Barcelona. Um you know, Bar Barca, Barca just had this little way about them where they just sit over there and they chirp and they they want you they they want you to respect. Them. We're Barcelona. We it's like yeah, then you kind of go and do this shit. Um, now that's it. I, I don't don't believe in the long run this is really gonna be much of an issue for Barca. Um. I mean, they, they, they're they still in a position to advance. They still control their own destiny. Uh, but for them, I mean, it, it is a hit. And that's the thing. It is a hit to, you know, kind of their their little feeling of invincibility that they seem to have. Um, and to do it to someone like, oh, shit. Oh. You know, um, it was just, it was one of those results that made you do a double take mm -hmm. because Barca has kind of looked like they've been back this year. Um, I think a big question, you know, what's going on with Robert Lewandowski? Uh, he is, 
Man, I, I almost wonder if Father Time's starting to catch up with Lua. Yeah. He just he he doesn't look like the Lewandowski of old, which makes it even I hate to laugh, but I have to giggle when Barca kind of fucks themselves. Uh, <laughs> uh, always actually an enjoyable moment in the world when, when Barca fought themselves. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Milan beating PSG 2-1. Like you said, you know, uh, Giroud scoring, Leal scoring. Um, after Skriniar opened it up for PSG, uh, Milan getting their first win of the group stage. They've been a little shitty, but... Um, you know, the, just just the way that group is, nobody's really running off with it. Dortmund's sitting atop. I mean, they're only two points above uh, Milan. So uh, yeah, Newcastle are they're they're breathing hard down at the bottom. But yeah, you made the point of saying that that group is not uh, that group is not dead by any mm-hmm. means. It is it is still I guess we'll say open for business. Uh, even though Dortmund thumping Newcastle pretty good, and, and in that one. I think we all knew coming in this year for Newcastle, it was like, it was a really cool story for them to get back. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't think anybody was overly thinking, Oh, Newcastle, they can make a big run. They can make a big run. I think, I think when they uh, beat PSG, it made people start dreaming, but, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah. I think you've just got to be, you just got to be a little smarter on that one. And, it is what it is. I mean, if they get, I mean, honestly, if they go out, I mean, they were there and it's a nice thing for them to build on and their goal should be to be back in. Um, but they were maybe a year, a year or so ahead of really schedule where they should have been um, a year ago. Of course, Liverpool having the, the poor season last year. Um, I think that probably would have, uh, uh, that probably would have been most people's pick to get that other Champions League spot. But, I mean, Arsenal went, they earned it. and or Arsenal, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Newcastle went, they earned it. And, um, you know, they, they are at least getting the chance in there. Uh, Atletico, very impressive over Celtic. Let's look at the score on that. Uh, Griezmann, Morata, both with braces. Uh, Lino, Saul Maez, I haven't heard that name in a long time. So, um. Bayern doing their thing with Gala. See, that here's the thing, man. Bayern, they weren't great, mm-hmm. but boy, they 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 found a way. Yeah, they found a way. Kane scoring twice late in that match, um, and that's where United are just sorely sorely lacking. Arsenal doing their job, uh, Madrid doing their job in intervening Salzburg. Let's see that uh, Real real quick. Uh, Rodrigo, Vinny, and uh, Brahim Diaz. I don't even think they had to play um, Bellingham in this match. I think he got the night off. And then Ed Green. Yes. That night in Copenhagen. Uh, United go up early 2-0 behind uh, Rasmus Hoyland, getting his goals, and um, maybe a little prematurely shushing the Copenhagen crowd. You know, not that, hey, man, we've got a lot of work left to do in this match. No, let's let's go shush the crowd, mm-hmm. because that's what United need at this point. Um, <clears throat> uh, Rashford seeing red. 
just before the half. And then um, late, late in the half, uh, the first one, the 45th minute, Copenhagen getting their first goal and then getting their equalizer 45 plus nine on a penalty. That's crazy. Uh, the United looks like they probably have gotten it back. Once again, another shushing of the crowd, not from Bruno, but from one of the teammates after Bruno converts the Bruno special, a penalty, of course. That's the real Bruno. Uh, he's got his penalty. And then the, um, the, the, the equalizer in the late winter, uh, Larriger and Bar- Bargy. Bargy, we'll go with that, in the 87th. And... Manchester United have been left with nothing but egg on their face in this group. One win, three losses through their first four. They are an absolute shambles in the group stage. Couldn't happen to a better group of fellas. They have shipped 11 goals thus far in the group stage, Ed, which um, which is joint second most in the group stage with that other superpower, Young Boys. (laughs) <laughs> and the only team that has shipped more than young boys and United is, uh, is Celtic and they ship six by itself just to Atletico mm-hmm. today. So, you know, in one of those matches where it just became kind of a bowling ball to them, mm-hmm. um, United are bad. They're just, they're rotten. They're rotten. Um, the goodwill from the weekend, uh, it, that's how quickly it goes away. Because you are, when you're in this kind of situation, you are judged on what have you done lately. Mm-hmm. So, oh, but we look good at the weekend. Cool. Don't matter. Uh, what have you done for me lately? Um, if they don't come out of this group, which is looking more and more like they're not coming out of this group, it is definitely another black mark on Ten Hog. Um, it is <laughs> not going to help him for his December 18th date. Uh, with Destiny that he's staring down. Um, that's right, folks. Oh, December 18th, I'll tell you what. A date I have circled on my calendar by far. The the day that the Ten Hag era ends in uh, in Manchester. Um, if he makes it till then, I, Ed, I want him to make it. I want him to make it till then. I, I want to put the nail in that coffin. <laughs> I want to put the nail in that coffin. Me, myself. Uh, but, you know, Rashford... Yeah, they're crying about it. No, you deserved it, dude. It was a terrible tackle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, you were you were trying to shield the ball, but you you did something stupid, and you paid for it. And unfortunately for United, they just I don't know. I don't understand some of the the picking of the team. I mean, you know, when when you've got. Uh, uh, when you've got Raphael Varane mm-hmm. on your squad, I mean, you're Raphael Varane, who at one time was considered maybe the best defender in the world and is still, I would still call him probably a top 10 center back in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, but but let's start Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans. Huh. Mm. Huh. That seems like just one of those like, huh, maybe this isn't the world's best idea. Uh, Mason Mount, his that 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 deal looks better by the day for United, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. oh man, let's go pay pay big money for Mason Mount, but but yeah. still not quite as good as the Anthony deal because they're they pay ninety million for Anthony, who you know the 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 biggest scoring he's going to do will probably be in a Brazilian prison, but 
anyway. it is it is an absolute shit show right now on the red side of Manchester. And you can just rest assured that uh, the blue side of Manchester and, and, and down the road in old Liverpool, they are taking absolute pleasure baths in this. Oh yeah. <laughs> bathing in the bathing in the 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 hurt of Manchester United fans and that, and that club, oh, man, excuse me. I am not a Manchester United historian. I know a good amount about the club historically, but man, is, is this like, is this the low point since Ferguson left? There's my question because there have been some low points. Yeah. Um, but you're sitting here, yeah, yeah. So, oh, we're in Europe. Do you really want to be there right now? Because you're doing nothing but humiliating yourselves even worse in Europe. Um, they have once again dumped a ton of money into players who are not good enough. It doesn't look like they have the right manager. Ownership is a joke at best right now. Everything around that club right now is just, it just feels and it smells rotten. Mm-hmm. Personally, couldn't be happier with it, but <laughs> is this the low point for Manchester United? I don't know. I think we'll know December 18th. And I say that, I say that with a giggle, but I also say that like truly. I mean, because. If Ten Hag makes it that far, that is that's his that's his judgment day. Mm-hmm. Because don't forget what happened. If, if anyone's forgotten, I'll gladly remind you what happened the last time United played Liverpool, <laughs> um, where where they put a Snow White score on them. That's right, all seven. Um, yeah, it was seven nil. The the beatdown of beatdowns. I, I highly doubt you'll see another 7-0 that day, but mm-hmm. if Liverpool go out there, if you're middling along and then you you play Liverpool and you lose handily and it's out on the field for all to see that you just got whipped, I don't know how he survives the Christmas. Don't know how he survives the Christmas. And this is just, today was just another nail, I think, being put into that coffin. Uh, big red Dutchman, I tell you what. Supposed to be the man, Ed. That's the thing. Was supposed to be the next great world manager. And instead, he's just going to be another victim of of the United machine that somebody forgot to put some oil in, apparently. I mean, it, it really is a potential very, very bad time for, for Tenak. Because again, I, I talked about it a few weeks ago. It could be the week where they one get eliminated from Europe, or 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 maybe just drop into the Europa League, and then if they lose to Liverpool, and it's like again maybe like a three nil loss. Yeah. I, if it if it doesn't get better before then, I I I don't I I think there the the organization at United is slowly coming around to the fact that maybe even even if 
Ten Hag isn't the answer. He's also maybe not the only problem, and getting <laughs> and, and fixing that problem is more than just firing him will do. Because I remember, like like you said last week, unless he's lost the locker room, which one athletic article I read this week said there's there's a tiny bit of that going on, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Unless he loses the locker room. <laughs> In, in, unless his, unless he just goes on a massive losing streak, I think he'll be okay. But it would be, I, I do also think the more he loses, the more that locker room is going to deteriorate. So yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be a big he, pun. He, you're right; he might not make it to Christmas. Mm-hmm. He has seven matches between now and that trip to Anfield. Um. On the seventeenth, and it's it, it seems like a schedule where they should be able to get some wins, mm-hmm. but there's some potholes in there. You know, coming up, you got Luton. I mean, for what it's worth, it's Luton at Old Trafford. You figure you take care of business, um, but then you've got to go to Everton. And Everton have shown Everton have shown they've got some spine at least. Yeah, they're not good by any means, but they've got some yes. balls. Mm-hmm. I will give Everton that they've got a set, and and sometimes that's what you need in that when you get a Merseyside uh, Manchester derby. Um, then it's Galatasaray at the end of the month, which is just that's a huge match in the group stage. You come out of that Newcastle at St James, Chelsea home. Home to Bournemouth, then you end the Champions League run with Bayern, and then comes what I'm dubbing Eric Ten Hag's Judgment Day on the 17th. Yeah. So seven matches to try to build some goodwill and try to build some momentum going forward. Um, you know, maybe at that point, hey, you know what? If they've run off five wins and two draws out of those seven, and they're looking better. And you go and you lose 2-0 to Liverpool? All right. Well, you know, okay. Okay, we'll see. But, I mean, this just seems like, it seems like a swirling drain. Mm -hmm. Just seems like a swirling drain. They're going to win some of those matches just because of who they're playing. But, man, there are are potholes. And there is danger lurking on some of those. And uh, yeah, I think this is this is going to be like a little weekly watch segment for us. Like, oh, is Ten Hag still have a job this week? Oh boy! Exactly. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh goody! That's exactly what we want to know. Does Ten Hag still have a job this week? Oh man! All righty. Exciting times. I, I like I like this segment. Does Ten Hag still have a job this week? Yeah. Oh, but we will see next week if Ten Hag still has a job. Um. Right. But as of right now, the Champions League, again, we will pick back up with this after the international break. Uh, November mm-hmm. 28th and 29th will be the next mm-hmm. set of matches. And then just the mid-Decembering uh, to go for this one. So, again, a couple groups are already decided as far as, like, who's win- going 1-2, who's going 3-4. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And uh, I will say, just real quick, um, as uh, as, you know... It'd be very interesting 
in Group H if something like Barcelona finishes second to Porto. I don't think it'll happen, mm-hmm. but like if you see something like that, if you see something like, uh, you know, however Group F shakes out, um, that's that's going to be interesting to see who finishes second there. Um, you know, if you end up facing if Napoli looks like they're going to finish second in Group C, um, so we'll see. We'll see if maybe some uh, some big teams end up as second place teams there. Let's hit the news and notes now. Um, interesting story came out today from David Ornstein. Um, Premier League clubs to vote on banning loan moves between related parties in January. Um, for example, uh, if approved on November 21st when they do the, the meeting, it will prevent potential deals such as a possible loan switch for Ruben Neves from Al-Halal to Newcastle, both majority owned by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, from happening in January 2024. Um, the step has not been specifically designed to block Newcastle from signing Neves. Rather, it is part of a wider ongoing discussion about associated party transactions, including front of spur- shirt sponsorships. Um, and I mean, yeah, it, it was always... It was always like a little weird when that happened. It was weird when Chelsea did their thing over the summer where they were essentially able to work straight with the Saudi league itself and send a bunch of people over to the league. That was that was kind of weird. Um, and of course, the article mentions City and Chelsea are also uh, clubs that operate mm-hmm. as part of a multi-club model. We'll have to see. This is this is kind of interesting. I'm sure, Wes, part of it is because of how big the Saudi league is getting that you don't want to just be able to, you know, essentially stash players over there um, in that kind of league. But, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with this. It, it does seem to be a direct um, move mm-hmm. that, that is against the Saudi league, at least, which if more than anything, it's probably just them trying to stick it to Newcastle. So. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, everybody's pissed at Newcastle, but I, I mean it's it's an interesting I guess little salvo that's been put down range, uh, just due to the fact that, um, and I'm interested to see what Newcastle would say about this, just due to the fact that uh, Newcastle kind of has that everybody's picking on me mentality about yeah. it right now, yeah. which I, I'm not, and I'm not gonna argue with Newcastle on that. It, mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, nobody likes your bullshit right now. <laughs> so it's what it is. Um, interested to see if that goes through. It, it seems like if you're hearing about it, it probably is going to go through. So we will uh, we'll see yeah. that. Speaking of the Saudis, um, sort of, uh, Jacob Whitehead came out a few days ago with a good article. Why Australia chose not to challenge Saudi Arabia for the 2034 World Cup. <laughs> Um, we of no, course could get into all the the tinfoil hattiness of it, and you know that that sort of thing. Um, but part of it is just if, even even the preparation to put forth a bid to host a World Cup costs a hell of a lot of money, and that's uh, something that this article kind of gets into. Um, they were they were gonna try to get the 2022 World Cup. And they spent a shit ton of money. It says here 46 million Australian dollars, which I believe are called didgeridoos, um, which is about Aussie 30... bucks, mate. Aussie bucks. <laughs> which is about 30 million US dollars, or we call freedom bucks. Um, and that was, uh, and then uh, 
as the article says, after spending all that money, the investment earned them exactly one vote. And so people were a little bit rightly like, you know, why, why are we going to spend all that money again when it looks almost certainly like Saudi Arabia is just going to win? So, you know, so I, I totally get it from that side. I still think this is all shitty, Wes, just because of how it's gone with South America getting like their three matches so they could go ahead and move that up but I, I i do i do at least understand from australia's side for logical reasons why they would go ahead and bow out well and australia have learned a lesson from one of the greatest philosophers of the 21st and 20th century ed that man's name is homer simpson oh yes mm-hmm. As Homer Simpson once explained to his son, Bart, he said, son, you tried your best and you failed. The moral of the story, don't try. Exactly. I mean, why would you take one stinking didgeridoo or one stinking kang of nickel? Why would you even take a, why would you send a single picture of a cute little koala bear playing with a soccer ball? Why would you even send out one image of the famous Sydney Opera House lit up with the with the colors of the country? Why would you do it? Why would you do any of it? Mm-hmm. When you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Saudi Arabia is getting that World Cup, it doesn't matter what you do. Why would you even fuck with it? That, I I don't know if there has ever been a bigger gimme in this lifetime than, oh, Saudi Arabia wants the World Cup. Well, yes, we'll give them the World Cup. Of course. Because FIFA, at this moment, FIFA will do, Saudi Arabia literally... All but runs FIFA at this point. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they got the money. And that's really all it takes to run FIFA is just having the money. I, I honestly believe that um, somewhere on a loop at FIFA World Headquarters, isn't it Geneva, Switzerland, Switzerland Sweden? I, so. I don't know where the fuck it is. I can't remember. It doesn't matter because somewhere on loop is the great venerable cuba gooding jr standing in his kitchen ed with no shirt on and his phone he said jerry what did i say show me the money show me the money show me the money cuba gooding jr is basically the godfather of fifa at this point um show me the money saudi arabia is like oh we can show you lots of money (laughs) and fifa's like well then we'll do whatever the fuck you want to do then, boy, it's like if only they would host world seniors. (laughs) That's what I really want to do. Just, you know, host world seniors. That'd be cool. But yeah, I mean, that's 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 literally where we are is Saudi Arabia. Shout out the money. There was no reason on earth for Australia to even bother putting their names out there for it. That's that's just where we are. I'm so excited for the three-match South America uh, Cup, though. That's the one I'm really looking forward to. Speaking of that, actually, uh, in the comments of this article, I also noticed uh, 
Jacob Whitehead uh, actually dove into there for for a quick comment because um, someone uh, Craig C posted uh, strange that the three games in 2030 count as South America's rotation. Surely they were due in 2034 before the Saudis um, to which uh, Jacob actually went into the comment and replied. Uh, it is. Uh, uh, I asked FIFA about this, whether the South American teams tried to argue that hosting just three games shouldn't count as a rotation. Allegedly not. No, so, I'm sure they were just fine with it. Yeah. So now, now here's the thing: is it allegedly not as in FIFA's line, which is totally possible? Is it allegedly not because they were essentially the Conmebol was paid a good amount of money to not care about it? Also possible. Um, I because I don't know. Like I can't see a a soccer region as proud as Conmebol, as deeply rooted in the game itself as Conmebol, just being like, yeah, we'll, we'll take the three games. You can, you can skip us. You can come back to us in like 12 years, I guess. Like, I personally don't see that happening. It, it, it could have, obviously. Um, but I think either they were given a significant buyout or, or, they were never actually consulted, really. So, I don't know. Personally, go down the road of buyout. Yeah. Because when you look down in South America right now, everybody needs money. True. That is, that is a good point. But and I think they probably less? just... Man, I know who's got that money. And they're, they own Newcastle. That's who's got that money. Because I was going to say, you're right. The good people of South America do need a lot of money. Guess yeah, it's not getting that money from FIFA. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But they, they took the money up front. And now it stands where it stands. That's just the way I see it anyway. I mean, I, I could be wrong. It's happened once or twice. That's my wife. <laughs> she'd be hard. She'd be hard pressed to find, uh, you know, uh-huh. she'd be hard pressed to find those uh, examples. But still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um. She is not near shot by all means. Thank God. Good, good call. Good call. A uh, couple of stories quickly to round out our news and notes section here. Uh, one by Jesse Parker Humphreys. Uh, the USWNT are hiring a serial winner in Emma Hayes, a coach with unfinished business in the U.S. Um, so Chelsea's women's coach uh, will be taking on uh, after, I believe, the end of this uh, women's Premier League season. Uh, or Sorry, the women's Super League. Uh, she'll be she'll be taking over uh, as head coach of the United States women's national team. Uh, so one of the very, very top managers of the women's game. Uh, so that's going to be a very big hire. She will be coming in very shortly before the Olympics. So tough to see if she'll be able to do much with the team before then, but certainly looking towards the next women's World Cup there. Um, and also speaking of just absolutely massive hires as we as we close out news and notes here. Um, this by Tom Boger and Paul Tenorio. Just oh, amazing, amazing headline here. Uh, Portland Timbers hire former Inter-Miami manager Phil Neville as head coach. Um, and, and you know what? Whenever, whenever you can get a guy who was 31, 41, and 11 in two and a half seasons at his last gig, you have to do it. So good on Portland for getting Phil Neville. Yeah, I mean, nothing like recycling the other Neville brother. 
man. That seemed to work everywhere he's going, right? Actually, someone someone sent me a picture today, and I'm going to send it to you right now because it involves the other Neville brother. Let me. Uh, oh, let me is it Gary drinking his wine? Uh, where where is that picture? Oh no! Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait. Um... Oh, here it is. All right. Copy. Paste. Oh, this is great for our audio listeners. Oh, this is podcasting gold, is what those is. I forgot it was actually on a tweet, but I'm just sending you that tweet right now, so you can you can just enjoy that. Since we're talking about the note, uh, <laughs> oh Gary, oh Gary. Uh, so with that, let's uh, let's pimp the athletic. Wes, what you been reading this past week and over at the uh, the athletic? Right now, the only thing I'm pimping might be Gary Neville, but anyway. <laughs> Oh man, let me get over to my old athletic site. Here we go. Um, I had to go through tonight and find stuff. I've just mostly been reading news stories for the last week. But um, oh, and just by the way, folks, if you need your fill of what the fuck is going on with Michigan football today, there's nobody better than the athletic for that. They have got everything that Michigan's doing. I agree. Everything they. Even have a, a, a good um, um, analysis on Connor Stallion and what he's up to, and <laughs> just everything. All right, so I got three football stories: two college, one from the pros. Um, Ari Wasserman, Ed. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. He goes a little under the radar at times. Uh huh. Deion Sanders, huh. blind faith in the coach's first puzzling decision. So Dion's been under some heat this week because he demoted his um, one of his big summer hires, his offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, who had orchestrated the huge start to the season where you know, Colorado was putting up all those points and had people dreaming of, 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 of uh, Dion and, and the Buffaloes uh, ascending the mountain in his first year up in the uh, up on the mountain. He's already on the mountain. He didn't have to ascend the mountain. <laughs> well, Ed, the wheels have kind of fallen off with Colorado. Reality at this point. set in. <laughs> Reality has absolutely set in. Um, they had no offensive line. Can't run the ball. Um. Shador Sanders, who I think a lot of people would like to suck, he does it. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Deion's kid, whenever he does decide to to come out and go to the NFL, whether it be this year or whether he come back for another year, he's a first-round pick. He's a first-round NFL quarterback. He's legit. They've got some legit receivers out there, but, man – I think this season is going to go down as a as a sign that the portal giveth, but the portal ain't perfect. There's a reason that a lot of these kids are in the portal, and it's because for some reason they weren't they weren't starting at their their old school. No, don't get me wrong. There are some really good kids who go into the portal looking for a different situation, looking to chase the NIL. Eighty Mitchell. But when you're bringing in, when you basically turn over your entire team mm-hmm. 
and Porter Lynn like 60 guys, yeah, you're going to hit some. There's a lot of them who are not going to live up to whatever you think they're going to be. Yeah. And that's what Colorado's run into. Anyway, good story. Ari Wasserman is not a Dion apologist, but he's also not like this huge anti-Dion. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I skimmed through the story. Didn't have time to read the whole thing. But going through it, it um it seemed like a pretty well put together piece that was coming from different sides. And I can appreciate that. Am I a big Deion Sanders fan? No, I'm not. But I can also respect what the man has done, but I can also say the man has a lot of work yet to do. Speaking of quarterbacks, um, Grace Rainer, who's also one of the fantastic athletic um, on staff people, a, a graduate of the University of North Carolina. Ed. Oh. Uh, she does a lot of the recruiting stuff. She did a story, why are quarterback recruits committing so early? Quote, it just relieves a lot of stress. And, you know, especially when we were coming up back in the old days, Ed. Yeah. Back in the old days. Everything led up to that first, I think it was the first Tuesday or Wednesday in February. I can't remember which day it is because that day doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. But there at the beginning of February, Ed, because for one day, one day the eyes of the college football nation were on signing day. And there was always, you know, you always got to sign day, and there was always a handful of guys who were uncommitted. And, man, every now and then there would be a quarterback up there who was uncommitted, and, man, where's he going to go? Oh, is he going to go here, here? Or where's he going to go? Well, and nowadays, quarterbacks don't make it very far in the uncommitted world. Um, the, the, the first one that they're following in this story, uh, Kevin Sperry, is a class of 2025 kid in, which means oh that this year he is a sophomore. Sophomore? Junior. Yeah. He's a junior this year. Um, yes. Okay. Right. Um, this kid, as a junior, has already been committed to Oklahoma since March. God. 21 months before he could sign in December of 2024. And, you know, just talking to him a little bit, uh, he was the first 2025 quarterback to announce a commitment. But the way he put it, he said he didn't really in, uh, intend to commit that early, but it just felt like if I already know where I want to be, then why wait it out and see other places? Um, makes sense. It, it makes sense, but what you're also seeing, and I guess this is a product of it, what you're seeing is from the quarterback position, you're always looking for the one. You want that one guy. Every now and then, yeah, you'll bring in two quarterbacks in class, but most classes are one quarterback classes. There are, I'm saying 60 power five teams. I think it might be 65. I can't remember, whatever. And that means only 60 guys are getting that spot. Guys earlier and earlier now are committing just to make sure they can lock up a spot. Because it's like, now there are the exceptions. There are the arch mannings of the world. Right. Yeah, when you're the number one quarterback in the class, you can take your time. You can do what you want. But if you're, say, the number 13 quarterback in the class, which means, boy, you're a really freaking good quarterback, um, 
say you want to go to Clemson for some unknown to God reason. <laughs> when that offer comes, man, it's like, well, okay. Do I let it sit out here and say, well, yeah, I'd like to go to Clemson, but man, you know, I might want to go to Florida State or I might want to go to, um, you know, uh, Tennessee or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if you hesitate and Clemson goes off to somebody else and that guy comes in and is like, well, yeah, I'll go to Clemson. Well, shit, there goes your spot. So earlier and earlier, guys now are, are locking down those spots. And for teams, they're having to make earlier and earlier evaluations. And it's this whole cycle with how early are these evaluations going to end up getting? Right. Um, I mean, when you're taking commitments from sophomores, that's fine if you know that's the guy. But, you know, kids, some kids do develop a little later than others. And it's, it's leading to some really, really interesting battles out on the trail because it's like guys will emerge late in the process and suddenly it's like, ooh, well, where the hell are you, where the hell are you trying to go? Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting phenomenon to kind of keep an eye on going forward. Um, but it's just, it's becoming more and more commonplace as we go. Interesting. Um, and honestly, those are the only two. I'm just going to hit those two this week. That's all I'm going to hit this week for the, um, for the athletic. All righty. Um, I got a couple here. Uh, one is a soccer story. Um, this one uh, by Oliver K came out yesterday. Uh, Medi Abalimba, the astonishing story of a football fraudster. Uh, if you want to be equal parts amused, disgusted, and confused, uh, go read the story. Because uh, this dude is an absolute piece of shit. Like an absolute piece of shit so go check that out it is fascinating um yeah wow what a massive piece of shit and uh i haven't actually gotten this one but but it is saved in my and i I imagine i'll be reading this tomorrow since i'll have some time uh this came out today from Brittany garoli uh baseball conflicted in aftermath of craig council's managerial hunger games um Because, man, for, for a while now, we've been like, okay, yeah, council, quick council, definitely leaving the Brewers, probably going to either like Cleveland or, or the Mets. And then all of a sudden it's like, yep, he's made his decision. And it's to a team that already has a, or that currently has a head coach in place. And everybody's like, well, wait, what the fuck? And then it's like the Cubs step forward and it's like, we're, we're hiring him. Thank you, David Ross. You're gone. And it was just a very, very weird uh, process um, that not a lot of people knew and not a lot of people got right. Um, so I'm very excited to see uh, what Brittany Garoli has written about it. Because, um, yeah, that that was just a bizarre situation. What is what is Wes Bradshaw sending me here? Oh, wow. um, <laughs> just another sky follow-up. Amazing, amazing. Amazing. In their headlines, oh, man, people people really just should you know understand what the cutoff point is on things now. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's very excited to read this story from Renee Rolly coming up here. Um, and y'all should check mm-hmm. it out too because this is just a again a bizarre situation. Um, so that is that is going to do it for 
our uh, news and notes and pin to the athletic. Let's finish with the watch for Wes. How much have you been watching the week that was or the week that will be? Yeah, just to throw one thing in there for Craig Council. I mean, folks, come on, let's be let's be real. Would you just rather be in Chicago than Milwaukee? Yes. I mean, to me, that's all it really that's what it really boils down to. But man, I can make a lot of money in Milwaukee or I can make a lot of money in Chicago. And as long as I don't have to walk the streets of Chicago after dark, <laughs> whatever. I can, I can live there with a couple million bucks in the bank. So anyway, what I watched this weekend, Ed, um, we as a as a family, <clears throat> um, well, first we finished off Swordsy. Which uh, did you finish off Shorzy? I have finished off Shorzy. Oh, Ed, you wouldn't be the first one to finish off Shorzy. Ah, Ted fucker. Oh, that's right. Oh, I'd be so good to you. Ed, I'd be so good to you. Don't you know that? I'd be so good to you, Ed. Oh. Um, Shorzy is fantastic. I am thrilled. We're definitely getting a season three, and I believe we're going to get a season four. Um. Because Ed, season three's got to be playoffs. Gotta season four's got to be uh, got to be World Seniors for season four. So, uh, I mean, it just it, it naturally makes sense to me. So let's do it. Let's get it done. Fuck you, Z. Um, so Shorzy was great. Ed, uh, we went through the final season of Shit's Creek. Oh, okay. And folks, I understand this is a show. It's been done for a few years now. But you know what? I finished it. So now it really means something. <laughs> and man, that was a great final season of television. All I can say. If anyone wants to, if anyone's like, oh, should I watch Shit's Creek? Yes. Yes, you should. Because I believe they are the best brother-sister combo ever. <laughs> um, and, and not only that, but just... It, it, it takes some fun little turns. Uh, I could have really done without the Chris Elliott character the longer the longer that show went on. But I think we've said that about a lot of things over the years that Chris Elliott had uh, anything to do with. It's like, I really could have done without that. But oh, scary movie. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a good show. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Would definitely recommend it. And, uh, I think talking about the next one, we might start um, after the holidays. Maybe I think we're going to try to watch the Rolling Gemstones. Mm, okay. Uh, starring the indomitable Walton Goggins. All I have to say, Ed, Walton Goggins as a uh, mega church TV preacher. <laughs> I believe David it, McBride is also in that, right? Yes, he is. As is John Goodman. Yes, yes, John Goodman. Um, it is a fantastic looking cast, and um, all, all I all I know thus far that I have uh, gleaned is um, Walton Goggins playing a character named Baby Billy Freeman. <laughs> Calls himself Baby Billy. He has a wonderful accent that he really plays over the top of shit, which, I mean, you're Walton Goggins. Why would you not play it completely over the top? Of course. So, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to hit, we're going to start hitting that one up sometime soon when it's time to start watching, uh, when it's time to start watching our next TV, we're going to hit that one up. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a bit excited about it. So 
Excellent. Yeehaw. And uh, go get them. That's it. That's it for me this week, uh, TV-wise. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about Shorzy. I really like this season. I thought it was great. <laughs> Again, we talked about it last week, the chirps. Uh, the the idea to to put the chirps on YouTube. Great, great touch. Love that. Um, my my question is, and I have to bring this up because when we talked about uh, Shorzy season one, we noticed that it was, or at least I noticed that it was different from Letter Kenny, and that it 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 felt mm-hmm. like it was actually like trying to have an actual story. That there was trying to be a little more depth than Letter Kenny, which we love Letter Kenny. But oh, Letter Kenny yes. is, for all intents and purposes, a very shallow surface show. Uh, Shorzy looked like it was going to have a little more depth. And so I just have to wonder what what they're actually trying to say with this show because you have you have uh shorzy going through the entire show going let's have a little accountability now let's have a little accountability here and and the night before they go take on the (laughs) the american sue he goes and fucks reporter lady which i know he's been chasing her for months and i i get it it was a it's a great moment that that they finally get together um but the fact that he's been preaching accountability, the fact that uh, Dolo and the other uh, player are like, no, nah, we, we didn't do anything between the sheets last night because you asked us not to. And then he's like, like I was like, oh, shit, they're going to get hammered this game. And then they won. And I'm like, I don't. So I just I don't understand because it feels like the show is trying to say something and I just don't know what the show is trying to say at this point um i still love it i still think jared kiso is great i i still think that the entire cast is great um i'm just i'm just a little confused also the walking back of the suspension was really weird in episode five it's like <laughs> it's like you're suspended for the last regular season game but violence is good yeah you know what you're right you're not suspended anymore like wait what <laughs> I, I, I thoroughly appreciated that. So. I, I don't, I don't understand. Like it feels like the show is trying to say something, and I don't understand it. So maybe that's more of my thing. I'm gonna keep watching. I'm excited. There's gonna oh, be more. I can't wait to see what happens next year. Um, I just, I'm, I'm asking more questions about this show than I would with Letter Kenny because I believe they want me to, to care about this from more than just a surface level. They want this to be a little bit more of a character examination on Shorzy. And so now I'm just kind of confused. So, well, and um, I'll, I'll add something because you, you definitely brought up a really nice point when you were talking about, you know, Leonard Kenny, which we love, which by the way, not to bury a lead. Uh, it is announced. This is going to be the final season of Letter Kenny. Oh, that. did you miss that? In? Oh, yeah. They So the trailer, the teaser trailer is out, uh, you know, uh, Boxing Day. Drops in the U.S. Boxing Day. It is the final season. So, um, yeah. So this is it, man. This is it. They have told their stories and final season. We'll see what happens. But um, you know where where um, Letter Kenny is very episodic. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. There's there's a theme as the seasons have gone on. They've gotten more into a theme for a season, at least. 
But for a lot of it, it's just these little standalone episodes where it's like, well, yeah, you know, we know the characters, so we get what they're talking about. We get the jokes because mm. we know the characters. But it's like you could take one from season three and throw it in the middle of season one, and someone who didn't know any better couldn't tell any difference. You know, they might there might be a few jokes that go over their head, like, wait, what? But, mm. you know, for the most part, it's kind of like that. It's not... Oh God, we have to tune into this episode to see what happened to see the outcome of what's going on in this episode. Where Shorzy is more like episodic television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's it's there is this whole thing. This entire season was, hey, we want to be the best, we want to be the best team ever. Yeah. Um, in in the no show. We want to be the best team ever. That was the theme of this one. You know, the next next season, I'm guessing the theme is going to be the playoff run, trying to win that mm-hmm. championship. And then, as I said, I think we'll get a season four where it'll be the the senior worlds, and I might just lose my mind because that's going to be so great. But, but yeah, it, it's it's a really good show. This was a really good season. This this was this was better than the first season to me. Really good. Uh, but but you know, kind of like you, I kind of caught that moment. I was like, oh, "Wait a minute, you know those guys are not out there pounding ass." Mm-hmm. <laughs> as it was, as it was. That's not me, folks. That's how exactly yeah. that was put on the show. Yeah. Uh, they're pounding ass. Um, they're not pounding ass tonight. But then Shorzy goes and pounds ass, and mm-hmm. as you said, kind of like no real consequence of it came back to him. Which I, I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad he got the girl. I like the girl. Yeah, girl's and great. then she shows up to the game, and oh, it was great, you know. It was it was wonderful. Um, but yeah, that was a little like, huh? Like, huh? <laughs> and now don't get me wrong, I thoroughly enjoyed episode five about the whole suspension and everything. <laughs> that was just funny as shit to me, but it's kind of like, oh, okay. It's like it didn't seem like it took a whole lot to change their mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that 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 was it to me. It's like. Yeah. Well, well, people don't want to come to our shows to watch good hockey. They just want to see people fight. And it's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. It's not, yeah. like, it's not which, even that convincing. Which honestly, don't get me wrong. I mean, um, I don't know if you remember it. I don't know if you remember the Raleigh ice caps. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. But that was before the hurricanes wow. came in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They were, the, they were the little minor league hockey team there in Raleigh. Yeah. And, um, and my my me grandma, my grandma of all people, used to take me to a couple ice caps games a year. And we'd go and Ed, it wasn't to watch free flowing fluid hockey. It's because my grandma my grandmother enjoyed watching them fight. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's uh you know, that's what uh whale shit hockey is. You're so, not going if I if I want to go watch uh, flowing uh, the best players in the world, I'll go I'll go watch Carolina Hurricanes and so, see whoever's coming to play them. So. What I I think maybe where my feeling is mostly coming from is because I thought I knew what story they were going to try to tell. I thought, given the way you kept seeing Shorzy throughout the season, like talking up the boys. Like, like, I know it's funny to keep him and say, let's have a little accountability in here now. Let's have a, which my God, baseball players and <gasps> hockey players are essentially the same people. Like they're, they're, they're just the same. It's, it's, it's a fact oh, at this point. Um, but with that and with, with the kind of like 
talking about why he why he still plays hockey because it's the only place he can feel like he can be himself oh, with yeah. the fighting and all this stuff and i was like oh they're, they're doing a thing where like he's realizing that mm-hmm. maybe the game is passing him by a little bit and maybe he becomes a coach because he's essentially a coach with sanguinette like that's right he is that's essentially right. assistant coach so i was like okay maybe that's where they're going there this is the story of what happens when the game has passed you by and coming to terms mm-hmm. with that? I was like, okay, this could be an amazing story. Jerry Kiso is a good actor. He can pull this off. Great. And then it's like, no, no, everything is good. And everything this guy does is actually great. It's fine. I'm like, doesn't feel like the story you were going to tell me. So again, I, I, I think it's good. I just, but I'm going to nitpick it more than I will net Larry Kenny. That's all. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna be there with bells on for season three. Don't you worry. I'm I'm ready for the oh, playoff run. Absolutely. So, don't never lose again. We'll never lose again. <laughs> I do That's thoroughly enjoy. I thoroughly do enjoy that. So um, yeah. That's spray tan. He's basically just channeling uh, Kirby Smart at this point. So. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. That's. That's our that's our shorty season two talk. Still great, still amazing, and uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit sad. Can't can't wait though to to send Letter Kenny off in style, as I'm sure they will. Uh, but that is going to do it for episode 481 of the Foreign Affair Podcast. Thank you all for hanging out with us this week and uh, letting us riff on some different topics here. Of course, we'll be back next week. We'll have more Premier League. Uh, I don't think. League League Cup is next week, right? No, because it's going to international break, so it wouldn't be. Um, so yeah, enjoy the Premier League this week because then we're going into another international break. That one is kind of a big one because that is the final international break for Euro qualifying. Um, so that that will be kind of big um, as we, as we head into that, and this will be, of course, the last break before the festive holiday season of matches every other day which is Woo-hoo. great for viewers and is terrible for the players. So get, please get excited, please. But their health isn't what matters. I mean, I'm sorry. Their health is what really matters. Of course, of course. Of course. Uh, thanks to our podcast providers, including Spotify for Podcasters, Citrus Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can, of course, catch us on social media, on Twitter, as a collective, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. And I am at Edward Green. Thanks again for joining us this week. But before we get out of here, Wes, anything else you want to mention? It is November. It is college football season. Michigan no longer gets to cheat nonstop. <laughs> and we'll find out this Saturday. We'll find out this Saturday if Michigan's actually good or not, because Michigan hasn't faced anything really above a, a, a low-level varsity high school team at this point of the season. <laughs> and I say that because they opened their season with East Carolina. So, yeah, I'm clear with that. Uh, they traveled to Happy Valley this weekend to take on the Penn State oh. Nittany Lions. That's, a, that's one of special interest in this household. Oh, because then we are. We are a Penn State household here. So... <laughs> Yeah, we're keeping an eye on that. We're keeping an eye on that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for any sign of life. In it, you know? Do you, do you actually get to watch this one? Uh, yeah, at the Buffalo Wild Wings. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yes, because once again, big men screwing Fox. 
<laughs> I'm going to figure this thing out one day, I promise. At least I didn't have to watch the World Series. So. There you go. You, you, yeah. you were saved. Fox saved you yeah. this time. Sorry, sorry, Rangers fans. No, no hate or anything, but you know, <laughs> I wasn't paying to watch the Rangers. Um, uh, went to the Miami game this past Saturday. <laughs> Whew, never get those three hours back, <laughs> or or that three hundred bucks. But whatever. Oh no. Whew, the best thing is I paid to watch that dribble. Anyway, oh, um, uh, Georgia playing. Ole Miss this weekend. That's a really big football game. Interesting. Keep my keep my eye on that one. Um, and that's about all I got. Uh, high school football playoffs are going here. Southern Nash, Northern Nash, part two this week. Uh, Rocky Mount got knocked out in the first round. I was very proud of them for making it, actually, this season. <laughs> I didn't think they won a game, so uh, they made it. Uh, JC and the Vikings, their run starts on Friday. Um, I'll get back to you in about three weeks when they play a game <laughs> that might actually matter. Um, yeah, man, that's all I got. God, football is coming to an end way too soon now, man. See, One, once October's over, I start staring like football mortality in the face for the season. <laughs> that's that's when it hits. It's like, oh, oh god dang it. Stuff. Yeah, because then you got the you got what once it hits rivalry week, you're just like, oh no. Yeah, then you're like, no, this has got to slow down. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, is Texas back? No. It's like, weren't never... we talking about this in September? <laughs> September was yesterday. No, that was three months ago. It's so Jover. Oh that's oh, <sighs> all I got for you folks. And that's more than enough. Thank you so much for joining us this week again, everyone. For my calling crime, West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. We'll be back next week with more from the Foreign Affair podcast. Until then, stay safe and enjoy the football. Good night, Everton fans. Hey, call Luton. Maybe you can get Ross Barkley back. <laughs> but why would he want to downgrade? Oh, there it is. There it went. That was it.